Alcorn State is the king of close games, but there's two ways that you can look at that title. Also, Howard has a duo that should lead them to success this year and the two years afterwards. Oh yeah, it's Locked on HBCU. Play my music. You are Locked on HBCU, your daily podcast covering HBCU sports. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, family? Welcome back to another episode of the Locked On HBCU Podcast, your number one daily one-stop shop for everything HBCU athletics, Monday through Friday, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I, of course, am Darian Gray, a.k.a. the Mouth of the South, Texas Southern alum and former TSU Herald Sports editor. Thank you for going on this journey with me, making Locked On HBCU your first listen of the day every day. And remember, just because the mic cuts off does not mean that the journey's over. It just means it's time to follow me on Twitter, at South Exclusives, which you can find right here at the bottom of the screen on this beautiful graphic they created for us. But if you're on the audio side of things, don't forget the S on the end of South Exclusives. And today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Get started today at fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more. First off, I want to start off today's episode by saying shout out to everybody who engaged on Twitter, talking about the idea of an HBCU exclusive March Madness. Whether you liked the idea, didn't like the idea, thought that finances were more important. Of course, I wasn't speaking on finances, and you know that if you checked out the show, of course, but some people just saw it on Twitter. All of that. I loved all of the discourse around it. Makes me want to do more of these things and get more of these conversations going because I was just interested to hear how you guys felt. Now let's move into today's episode now that I've showed y'all my gratitude for that. And Alcorn State is the king of the close games, and they sit alone at the top of the swag. So, yeah, they're the king of the swag at the moment. But I also feel like if we're discussing their path there, you can't help but call them the king of the close games. And I do believe that there's two ways to really look at that. And I'm going to talk about them. But first, we have to talk about the close games because I do need to illustrate just how frequent of an occurrence that their close games are. Now, once again, this is in no disrespect because they have some really nice out-of-conference wins over uh, Wichita State and Stephen F. Austin, I believe they were. Those are nice wins. Alcorn State is a good team. There's no denying that. So let's just get that out of the way because some people might want to use the fact that games have been close as a way to kind of discredit what they've been able to accomplish. I think that they played or won games while maybe not playing their best but they learned something in there. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself with the two ways that you can take it. So let me first set the scene and tell you how many games they've had that were close. So they're currently on a five-game win streak. They've won 11 games total. Out of the five games they won in a row, three of those games, three no, excuse me, four of those games, four of the last five games that they've won in a row have been decided by a singular shot, whether that's three points or two points. Two other games earlier in the season against Prairie View and Texas Southern actually to start their, I think that might have been to the second and third or maybe third and fourth games that they played in swag play went to overtime. So either it's really close or OT, that's six out of 11 victories that you've had, not to mention the Jackson State game, which opened up the season, which you actually lost that game by a point. So you combine all that together, that's six victories, seven total games in swag play in which the, the score has been within a point or point to three points or overtime, all close games. 
but they're six and one in those games. So they're the king of the close games, right? And now here comes the two ways that you can look at this. When I first started talking about this and in creating this topic, it was actually in a way to praise Alcorn State because I do think there's some things that can be taken away positively from playing so many close games. When they get to the tournament, I can guarantee you that if the game is close, Alcorn State will not panic. If it comes down to who panics first, Alcorn State is going to win that game nine times out of ten. We've only seen them uh, lose one really close game, but they're used to it. Yeah, some of the games they're playing in, you don't want to be in those close games with those teams, but they're used to it. They're comfortable in it. It's kind of like Bane where he says, I, I was raised in the darkness. So anytime you get to go to the darkness and in, the, in this situation, the darkness is a close game. Well, I'm used to occupying that. I'm used to playing in those games. I'm used to coming up victorious in knowing how to win in the clutch. I do believe that's a skill. It's one that not everybody develops. Some people are thrusted into and it's like, okay, you did have it. But we know that Alcorn has it. That's kind of a silver lining. You haven't played your best, but you're winning games. And I'd rather win ugly than lose at all. But the other way to look at it is the same way that Coach Bussy is looking at it. And he's saying we're not playing good basketball. See, the mouth of the South is focusing on the result and kind of the last fragment of the game and what it could mean going forward. Coach Bussy's looking at the total product, as he should, as we all should. So it's just about which one you want to focus on. But he's like, man, look, like, look at the game against FAMU. He didn't say this particularly, but he's like, they shouldn't be going to the wire with FAMU. A, game, a team that's on top of the swag should not be going at it at the wire with the team that's pretty low. And they were losing for most of the game. They shouldn't have to come back against uh, uh, Bethune-Cookman, giving them a chance to be able to tie it up. Like, these type of things shouldn't happen to a team of Alcorn State's caliber. And I respect that. I respect feeling like, you know what, we're playing down to our competition. He pointed out in, I think, preparation. It was a great interview with uh, Anscape on Instagram Live. I just so happened to stumble across it as I'm typing up this uh, this episode, my my plan and whatnot, I happened to stumble across him knowing I'm about to talk about Alcorn State. It was like, oh, wow, let's go ahead and listen to what he had to say. And he gave me some good insight on how he felt about it. It's just basically how the preparation wasn't up to par. Basically how he felt that his team was playing down to competition. And you could sit there and be like, oh, well, when it comes to the tournament, you're not going to play down to competition because you're going to have great competition. But there's certain habits that I feel form from playing down a competition that can rear its ugly head even when you're playing against good teams. The lack of preparation, the, the way you go about your pregame, all of that, you could easily fall into that trap even if you're not playing a weaker opponent. So what needs to happen? You have to finish strong. But it feels odd to say a team needs to finish strong while being at 11-2. Well, they finished the, the preseason or the regular season very strong last year. They were 9-4 at this point or 9-3 at this point. And no, they were nine and four. They were nine and four at this point, and they won five games in a row. Winning isn't enough to feel like you got better. You already won five games in a row and feel like you're playing mediocre basketball. That was a coach Bussy's words. That's how he described it. So you're already feeling like something's missing despite victories. Winning five in a row isn't going to be enough, even though it would be a two game improvement on where you sat last year at the end of the regular season. For Alcorn State to improve, they're going to have to not play down the competition. They're going to have to not get into close games against teams that they don't want to get into close games against or don't feel like they should be in close games against. You have to avoid that. And some of that, or pretty much most of that, comes from nipping those bad habits in the bud. And once you do that, now you're not getting into close games with teams like Alcorn, like teams like Mississippi Valley. Maybe you're getting into close games with teams like Southern and Grambling and maybe even Jackson State. That's understandable. But getting into close games with teams that are at the bottom of the conference, no bueno. 
once you cut once you cut that out you've improved and that's the type of the type of uh, uh ending that you're looking for at the end of a season screw the wins screw the losses it's about how you play not the outcome of the game that's the two different looks at the philosophy you decide which one you want do you want the silver lining that maybe makes you feel a little bit better or do you want to live in the fact that okay we need to improve these things so that when it comes to the championship when it comes to the tournament we're not falling victim to some of the bad habits that we created ourselves let me know what you think in the comments below on twitter y'all know the drill at south exclusives is right there so we're just going to go ahead and talk, 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 right? So as we go forward, we're going to switch gears and go to the MEAC because there is a dynamic duo out there at Howard. And I think that this is a team or a duo that can really lead this team to success, not only in 2023, but 2024 and 2025 because they're really young. We'll talk about them as we continue with Locked on HBCU. Before we get into that, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel is the number one official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network, and basketball season is in full effect. They're going to have wagering on the All-Star Weekend. Who's going to win the dunk contest? Who's going to win the three-point contest? Um, what's going to be the highest score, sc uh, score for a dunk? Probably a 50 at some point. I think that will be an easy bet if, this, if it's there. How many, how many shots go down for the winner in the three-point contest? All of these things you can put money on because basketball is going to go on a miniature break, but first, you're going to have one of the best expressions of just freelance sports I feel like is out there I love the all-star game and it's easy to make money off of them just go ahead and put the money down at fanduel.com slash locked on and make every moment more As we continue rolling with today's episode of Locked on HBCU, I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day, every day. And for your second listen of the day, make sure you're checking out Locked on College Basketball. It's everything that you need around the sport in one place. It's easy. Just go ahead and type in Locked on College Basketball wherever you're listening or watching me right now. And then once my video ends and you listen to that last ad, listen to that last ad, <laughs> and then Click Locked On College Basketball, and that's only for the YouTube audience. Of course, you want audio, just keep it running. Play, Just add it to play next, and you don't even have to worry about it after. So there's a young duo forming out there at Howard, Shy Odoms and Elijah Hawkins. And I think that this is going to be a duo that leads them to success. Not only this year, they're already doing that, but then also in the two years coming because they're young. They just won a major game versus Maryland Eastern Shore to set themselves for eight wins in a row. They knocked off all the teams in the MEAC now. So once you kind of vanquish that foe, you start looking at what it is that makes your team great. And I think one of the things that really makes them special is they have a young duo. One's a freshman, one's a sophomore. And let's look at Shy Odom for a second. When you look at Shy Odom, he's one of the best, I'm going to say he's the best freshman in the MEAC. He's had an absolute lock. On the, on the Rookie of the Year Award, a Rookie of the Week Award, he's going to win Rookie of the Year. That's just going to be what it is. He could not play another game, just say, you know, I want to I relax for a little bit. We ain't wishing nothing on nobody. Decide he wants to relax for a little bit, and he would still be the Rookie of the Year at the end of the year. He just has to be. He has seven Rookie of the Year uh, uh, awards. Nobody's won Rookie of the Year. Shy Odom has had seven Rookie of the Week awards basically in a row nearly, Nobody else has won the award in over two months. Don't tell me this guy isn't the rookie of the year. Even if the award hasn't came in yet, we know whose name is on it. Go ahead and print it up right now. Ain't nothing changing about it. And he's played really well over the last two weeks. He just won the award again. Um, but over the last four games, he's averaging 13 points. 
He's had he's been more active on the boards than he had been previously in the year. He's really starting to put it together. So when you look at the fact that he's going to be the rookie of the year, who's his teammate? Elijah Hawkins, who was rookie of the rookie of the year last year. And he's still young. Mind you, I said last year. So he's only a sophomore. So on this team, on Howard, you have the guy who's going to win Rookie of the Year this year. Might as well put his name on it already. You have the player who won Rookie of the Year last year in Elijah Hawkins. They're only a year apart. They have a lot of time to mesh and get to their peak potential. But you know what? I'll put out some high praise for what I think they can be. I think that this duo can be to Howard the same thing that Bankston and Bryant are to Norfolk State. And I know that's high praise, especially knowing how good Joe Bryant is. But what I mean by this is that this can be the duo that for a couple of years keeps Howard really good. Bankston and Bryant returned, and now they had Norfolk State really good for yet another year in a row, and Joe Bryant was the MEAC player of the year last year. All right, let's put age aside for just a second. For just a second, let's put age aside. I'm not just comparing any young two players to Joe Bryant and Chris Bankston. I'm comparing Elijah Hawkins and Shai Odom to these players because I think that they're quality enough to have their team be successful for years in a row, three years to be exact, as long as they stay together. But I see Hawkins, he can operate as a facilitator. He's the great pickpocket. He's the one of the better scorers in the conference. You know, he's top 10, and he's the leading, leader in assist. Meanwhile, Odoms is somebody who operates on the inside, and he can do a lot of work there. Get some shooters, and now it's scary because the shooters are going to space the floor. It allows the lane to be a little bit more clear for Odom to work on the inside, but it allows Hawkins to have somebody on the outside who he can dish the ball to because it's not just a two-man game. You want to have some shooters outside to also put some fear in the defense, not just as a distraction but then also as a useful part of the offense and that's why I think these two will really work well together because it allows each of them to really execute in their what in their role to a high level they won't step on each other's toes they have a game that I think is very um very agreeable to each other so that's the duo that I think is going to lead them in the future. But like I said, they're on an eight-game win streak right now, focused on the present. They just knocked off Eastern or Maryland Eastern Shore, which was avenging or avenging the only loss that they had up until this point in the season. Now you got to go ahead and beat Norfolk at the end of the year because some people are looking at sideways at that one. Other than that, but like you beat everybody in the MEAC already. Howard is a really good team right now. They're going to be a really good team going forward in both of those facts are heavily due to the fact that they have a pretty good young duo in Elijah Hawkins and Shai Odoms. But going forward, we're going to talk about some of the bigger games just this weekend. On Saturday, there's games that are rivalries, they're games that have high stakes, and there's games that just want to continue momentum. And we're going to talk about all of them. We have a bunch of them, so we're just going to briefly touch on each of them as we continue with Locked on HBCU. And as we're wrapping up today's episode of Locked on HBCU, shout out to all my segment three people making it all the way to the end. I thank you two times for making us your first listen and getting all the way to the end as we wrap it up. So there's big time games on Saturday, and I mean like seven of them, I think. Off the, I think, yeah, two, 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 actually six. Um, But it's just big time matchups that you're going to be facing off or that you're going to have on Saturday with these two teams facing off. So the SWAC rivalry, CIAA, high stakes you have a game in the SEAC that's a high-stake matchup. And then also Tennessee State is just looking to continue the momentum. Let's go ahead and break them down because in the SWAC, you have Jackson State versus Alcorn, and you have Southern versus Grambling. These games don't really have much attached to it. Alcorn is going to be number one no matter what. They could tie with Grambling, but 
they beat Grambling already, so they would have the tiebreaker. There's not really much, much high stakes there, and there's still four games left after this to where you feel like, okay, separation can still happen. It's still a hotly contested conference. But then you look at Jackson State, that's just a rivalry. That's just a team you want to beat, especially because that's one of the teams that beat you. And I seen Coach Bussey was on the, on, the, um, on the interview that I was telling you about. He said this is his first time going to Jackson State as a head coach where there are actually going to be fans there. He went at one time, or the first time it was canceled due to COVID, and then the second time students weren't even on campus at the time. School was still out. So now he gets to have a different environment. But then you have Southern versus Grambling, yet another rivalry game where it's just bragging rights. But this one has a little bit more at stake in the sense that these two teams, whoever wins is going to be second place. Whoever loses is going to be third place. Because, yeah, because Southern's a game behind, but they also knocked off Grambling the first time, so they have the tiebreaker if it came to that. And I, I kind of don't want to look at tiebreakers a little too early because we've done so much with tiebreakers already. When it came to the CIAA, I want to take another approach to it and just look at it as being a tie. But Southern is looking to win this game. They've had some tough losses. They've had some really tough losses over the last couple of games, and they're looking for a rebound. But this game is going to be a part of the All-Star Weekend. Saturday, I think, comes on at 3 p.m. Central. So make sure you guys are tuning that on. It's national, a national game. Look for Breon Whitley. We know what, he, what he's done in big-time games. So we'll just look for him. Then you have Virginia State versus Virginia Union when we're going to the CIAA with the high stakes. And Union already has their spot clinched. They're the number one seed. They're good. They can honestly relax and rest if they wanted to. But I know they're not for two reasons. One, they ain't giving their rival Virginia State the satisfaction. And two, they're probably just a team that's like, you know what? We don't want to have co-champions. We don't want that. We don't want to share the limelight with anybody. We are the best team. That's the reason we're number one seed. We're just going to go ahead and knock off Virginia State. And now we will have our own individual champion and not have to or championship and not have to share it with anybody. Where Virginia State's playing for the number two seed. They're trying to get that second seed because with this win, they win the second seed. There's no other things. They don't need this and something else to happen. As long as they come up victorious, the number two seed is theirs. But Fayetteville State needs Virginia State to lose and they need to win. Fayetteville needs to win in order to make it to that number two seed because the Broncos are coming off of a hot victory over Claflin. That basically wins the, or this would win them the CIAA South as long as they win. I don't really want to get into the, the, the tiebreaker because I don't know what it's going to be. I don't know what the next tiebreaker is if they lose. Let's just go ahead and win and not have to worry about that. But if they do lose, then they'll be right there with Winston or right there with Claflin in a tie as long as Claflin wins. And that's a tiebreaker that they have the same record. Or they have the same out of they have the same conference record. They have the same divisional record. And I don't know if overall is the next tiebreaker after that. Part of me does kind of wish that they do go to the tiebreaker just so I can see what it is. But overall, that's the that's the stakes at hand. You have two teams in Fayetteville State and Virginia State who are fighting for the number two seed. Virginia State just says, let me win. Fayetteville State says, I need to win, but I need Virginia State to also lose. So they're rooting for Union. There's some Union Union fans right now. Because as long as Union wins, then they're probably feeling a little bit more comfortable. But I think the games are at the same time. So they won't even actually know. Now you go to the SEAC because we're just going to keep it D2. Morehouse versus Benedict. These two teams face off. And whoever wins, uh, if Morehouse wins, it'll be a tie. And then I think Morehouse would have the lead. It would be tough to really break it down. But there's still a couple of games left. Meanwhile, if Benedict wins, they just extend their lead. They're already number one. 
They're 14 and five, have the best record in the conference, both as far as most victories, because there's two teams in the opposite division that have the same amount of losses, but nobody has more wins than Benedict. So you're really just expanding your lead at that point. So that's that's kind of what's at stake there. And then Tennessee State, they're on fire, but they're facing Moorhead, who was the number one team in the OVC. And being the number one team in OVC comes with a lot of quality players. And I think that Tennessee State knows one very well, and that's Mark Freeman. He had a career-high 30 points against them the first time that they faced off. Can't have that happen again. You're not going to win if you let that happen again. It's just, it's just not, it's not a recipe for success. It's something that you have to avoid. It's something that you need to make sure you don't fall victim to it again. You need to make sure that your guy, J.R. Clay, has himself a game like that. Maybe he needs to drop a career high. You need to make sure that your players who have been special continue to be special because you're on a five-game win streak, and the only way that you can take it to six by facing the best team in the conference is by making sure that you bring your star players to the table and they show up. No other way around it, no other way to it. That's a must happen if you want to win this game and continue your momentum and make it five, six, and then seven after that. So I appreciate you for making us your first listen of the day, every day. And for your second listen, make sure you're checking out Locked On College Basketball. On Monday's episode, we're going to be back breaking down and previewing the CIAA tournament because by the time that we return, all the seedings will be together, all the matchups will be together, and we will spend part of Monday breaking down what to look forward to or what I'm looking forward to in the tournament of 2023. But in the meantime, in between time, I appreciate you guys, man. And if you're looking for me, you can find me on Twitter at South Exclusives. Until the next time that we hear each other, family. Take care. Stay blessed. Peace.